Let's pray. Father God, we do thank you for the cross. That symbol of torture and execution became life for us through the death of our Savior, Jesus. We thank you that he's made a new way for us to you through the veil that's his body. Broken for us on the cross so that we may now draw near to you, O Father. We thank you that we can approach the throne of grace with confidence now by the blood of Christ. That we no longer have to fear. We no longer have guilt because our sins have been taken upon him and nailed to the cross. So we thank you, Father. Help us to always fix our eyes on him on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. The one who's gone before us, done all that needs to be done in order to save us. We thank you, Father. We pray for those here, all of us here, who have great needs, broken people, broken people by the world and by the sins of our own selves and by others. Father, we just pray that you will heal us in every way that we need to be healed and that you will reconcile us to each other and to you. We pray for Alex as he comes to bring your word to us. May your spirit flow through him and touch our hearts today. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen. morning to you all. Are you well? Good. If you have your Bible, please open it to Matthew chapter 7. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 12. Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 12. Are you tired of being a maze runner? Running through the maze of life, trying to find your happy place your peace place, your purpose place, your acceptance place. If you're tired, and and, and the way of faith is the only way you can be set free from being a maze runner. And the way of faith is exclusively embraced in Christ alone for your salvation. For he died for all your sins. He makes you right with God. He alone cancels out your sin debt with the shedding of his own blood. The way of faith is also relationally connected to Jesus. It means you are in a relationship with him, in communion with him. There is a true relationship, an intimate relationship you have with Christ when you have faith in him. The way of faith is practically lived out under him. Because Jesus is not just your savior, he's also your what? You're supposed to participate now. (laughs) He's also your what? Your Lord. He's also your Lord. So you live under his lordship as well. Because everything that you have, your time, your life, your resources, Jesus has said, it's mine. I own that too. That is the way of faith. That's the way of faith part one. 
And we talked about those things last week. And there are other realities to the way of faith. And we're going to talk about those realities this morning. So open your Bible to Matthew 7, beginning in verse 1. Judge not that you not be judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the law that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take out the log in your own eye, then you will see clearly to take out the speck in your brother's eye. Do not give to dogs what is holy. Do you not throw your pearls before the pigs, lest they trample them under their foot and turn to attack you. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his sons ask for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, you will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? So whatever you wish that others will do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. This is God's holy word. Please pray with him for me. Father, your word is is just not any other book. This is your true word. These are your words, Father. And I pray that the Spirit will help us feel the weight of that. That when we read these scriptures, these are the very word of our Heavenly Father, Yahweh Elohim, the creator of all things. And we have his word that you have freely given to us that we may know you, understand certain things about you. It's a privilege, Lord, to have these scriptures. And I'm not worthy to even preach them. So, Holy Spirit, I pray that that you will move in the service today, move in, in the preaching of the word today, minister to our hearts. You know what we're dealing with. You see us, Holy Spirit. You see us, and we're not alone in what we're going through. So I pray that you will move in a mighty way and also bring glory to Jesus' name. Amen. The way of faith is, is, is a coin. It's like a quarter with two sides. On the one side of the quarter, you have the, the way of faith is exclusively embracing Christ alone. That's on one side of the quarter. Also on that side is, is that it's relational and it's practical. But when you turn it over, when you turn the quarter over on the other side, you see the other side of faith. There are both sides to it. Last week, my friend James uh, Williams came. He's, if you remember, he came and spoke to us a little bit last week. And he took us out to, to lunch uh, on Sunday. And what he did at lunch is, is an example of the other side of our faith. You see, he, he shared the gospel with the server that was serving us. Throughout, the, throughout our time at this restaurant, he kept having these small conversations with her, asking her about her faith, where she stood with Jesus. And, 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 and that is an example of what it means to have the other side of our faith live out, that the way of faith is exclu- inclusively extended to others. You extend your faith to other people. You embrace it, and then you extend it to those that are around you. 
we exclusively extend our faith to those who are lost. Sharing the gospel is one of the ways sons and daughters of the great king extend our faith. We share the good news of Jesus. We ask them, do you know Jesus? For we know that the power of the gospel is what saves. It's what saves. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed. The gospel is what offers life, peace, security, forgiveness, grace, mercy, reconciliation, and restoration. It is truly good news. We are never to become gospel hoarders. We never hoard the gospel. We freely share it with those that God brings into our lives. We inclusively extend it to them. Jesus says in verse 12, so whatever you wish that, uh, whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. With these words, Jesus is telling us, you must extend your faith to other people. You freely embrace it, now you freely extend it. The truth behind extending our faith to others is the command to love your neighbor as yourself. Verse 12 is known as the golden rule. And in the heart of the golden rule is basically to love your neighbor as yourself. The whole law and the prophets are summed up in that one phrase. You love your neighbor as yourself. So whatever you wish, whatever you want that people should do to you, you do that to them also. How do you desire to be treated? How do you desire to be treated? We want to be treated with kindness. We want to be treated with love. That's how we should treat other people. Your spouse, your brother and sisters, your roommates, your parents, your co-workers. How do you treat them? Do you show them love? Do you extend love to them? The same love that you freely embrace in Christ. Let me ask you a question. Who here wakes up in the morning with the desire to say, today I want to be treated like the scum of the earth. Do you wake up that morning? This is my goal. Today, I want people to treat me like the scum of the earth. I want people to look down on me. That, that's my goal today. No, that is never our goal. How do you want other people to treat you? You want them to give you, you want them to treat you with dignity, with respect, appreciation, equality. That's what we desire. Why do we have that desire? Because we're created in the image of God. That's why we have that desire. And so with that in mind, Jesus commands us that we should offer these things to other people as the church. Because he gives us these things. In him, we have dignity, value, significance, security, and purpose. We have love. And when you embrace his love for you, then you're supposed to extend that same love to your neighbor. The way of faith is embraced in Christ, and the way of faith is extended to other people. Treat others like you want to be treated in your actions, your words, and even in your nonverbal communication, because we all communicate nonverbally. I look, I'm watching, I'm looking at you. I can tell how you communicate nonverbally. <laughs> other people isn't just referring to the people you get along with. It's not just referring to people that you're like-minded with. It's even referring to those that are different than you. Those who even get on your nerves. You exclusively extend 
faith, the way of faith to all people without bias, without discrimination. Because remember, Jesus loves you without bias. Do you believe that? Do you really believe that in your soul that he loves you without bias? Because if that grabs hold of you, then you'd be able to love your spouse that way. You'd be able to love your kids that way. You'd be able to love your siblings that way. Your boss that way. Your coworker that way. Your neighbor that way. It ain't going to be perfect because you're not Jesus, but you can strive to love without bias. Now, we all have junk and issues, but Jesus doesn't look down upon us because of that. Think about that. With all your issues, Jesus does not look down upon you. Think about that. Do you think that sometimes that Jesus could say, sometimes you get on my nerves? You don't think Jesus could at least say that sometimes when you look at, look at us? Sometimes he could have the right to say it. He could say, Alex, sometimes you get on my nerves. He has the freedom to say that now. Does he not? But he doesn't. But he doesn't. He accepts you. He embraces you where you are. Then he changes you and brings you to the place you need to be. That same way he accepts us, he wants us to accept others. Without bias, without discrimination. The mission of our church is to embrace Jesus' love and to extend his love to other people. We do that by sharing the gospel. We do that by praying with one another, making time and space for people. It's simply being a good friend. It's sometimes simply being having an ear for folks to come let's talk with you about things. Do you value other people? Do you practice love? Or do we just speak nice, poetic words with no action behind them? One of the little girls on my son's soccer team, uh, the Little Avengers, um, she, she missed our game last Saturday because she was recovering from a, a minor surgery. So before the game started, I gathered all the players and the other two dads that, that's helping me coach, and, and we made a nice little video for her you know, because we wanted her to know that we missed her. We wanted her to know that we're thinking about her. And so I had one of the other parents uh, record us saying, get well soon, Sonny. It's a small video to, just to let her know that we're thinking about her and that we miss that she's not there. And so we, I texted it off to her mom and before the game started. And her mom told me later that she watched that video 30 times <laughs> with, with happy tears in her eyes. And she told her mom, she says, that's the nicest thing anyone has ever done for me. You see, you never know what a small deed of love can mean for somebody if we make time for them, if we make space for them in your life. Even a little child that's six needs love, needs to know that people value her. And so for us as the church, do, will we make space for people in our life? Will we make space for people in our families, in our schedules, just to say, I'm thinking about you? You never know what God can do with that. Remember, what Jesus, what Jesus' deeds of love has done for you. Remember, think about that. His deeds of love. What has his deeds of love done for you? You can answer. This is participation time. What has his deeds of love done for you? It saved you? What else? It, it heals? What else has his love done for you? Yes, what else? 
Yes. What else? Forgiveness. Yes. Just think about all the things that Jesus' love has accomplished for you at this very moment. He made it possible so you can be set free from guilt. You don't have to live in the guilt of your sin because of what Jesus did. You don't have to carry the shame of what you did in the past because he already forgave you of that. Think about that. Think about that. Let that penetrate inside your soul and let that motivate you to extend love to other people the same way. Because of what Jesus has done for you, I'm able to love other people. I'm able to forgive. I'm able to have compassion. Even for those who may get on my nerves. Again, this is the other side of the way of faith. We embrace it and we extend it. We embrace it and we extend it. John says in John 1, 1 John chapter 3, verses 16 and 18, By this we know love. That he laid his life down for us. By this we know love. Jesus laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. And who did Jesus lay down his life for? Did he lay down his life for his friends? Did he lay down his life for his homeboys? Or his girls? No. His enemies. You got to see these in context of who we were. He laid down his life for his enemy. That means he loved you when you were his enemy. Now that's gospel. That's powerful. He loved you when you were his enemy. And he died to prove it. He died to prove it. Who else in all of eternity can say this person died for his enemy? Who else can we point to? Any superhero, any Famous person you know that would say, I would die for my enemy. None would do it. But Jesus did. But Jesus did. That is love that we can't even fathom. That is love that, man, we can't really understand. If you think about it, dying for my enemy and loving him, that's what makes the gospel wonderful. That's what makes it good news. Is it really good news? If you know you're an enemy, turned into a son and daughter, then it's truly good news. And guess what? You want other enemies to be part of the family too. But do you? You should want other enemies of God to be brought into, into the family too. That's extending the faith to other people. So the way of faith is exclusively extended to others. Do unto others as you will have them do unto you. Love people the way you want to be loved. The way you want to be loved, love other people that way. Second, the way of faith is to be merciful. And what I mean by that? Verse 7, chapter 7, we get verse 1. It says, judge not that you, may, that you not be judged. For the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be used, measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the law that is in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take out the log in your own eye, then you will see clearly to take out the speck in your brother's eye. The way of faith is not just embracing it, to extending it to others, but the way of faith is also merciful. 
is merciful as opposed to being judgmental. Think about that. The way of faith is mercy and not judgment to other people. Jesus says, judge not that you not be judged. He is prohibiting his disciples then and his disciples now, which are you and I, from living with a judgmental spirit. He wants us to restrain from from being too sharp for criticism of other people, too willing to look down on other people, to pass judgments on them. He's saying, saying, you need to stop condemning others. Who struggles with that? Now, if your hand ain't up, then, all right, everybody's hands needs to be up. Okay, even kids, put your hands up too. Yes, we all struggle with a judgmental spirit. Why is that? Because this is part of who we are as sinners. And it's part of what Christ has to do. He has to change us to make us more merciful toward others. The phrase that you not be judged, letting you know that your judging of others is going to come back on you. That's what he's saying. The measure that you use will be measured against you. You see... With the judgment you pronounce, you'll be judged, and with the measure you use, it'll be used to you. You yourself will receive judgment. The agent of that judgment will be God. And he doesn't say what kind of judgment it would be. He just says it will be you, you will come back to you. What are some of the judgments we pronounce on other people? What are the things we look at other people and we look down upon them for? We judge and condemn people on their actions, their words, their lifestyles. The company they keep, the parenting style, their politics, how they look, how they talk, how they dress, and so on. Now, if you're ever on social media, you know, you see it a lot, Twitter, Facebook, Snapchat, whatever, you know, we see it. We are prone to pronounce these judgments. But here's the thing. When we make judgments, when we have a judgmental spirit, what we're saying is that we somehow have become the standard by which you measure other people. When you look at your neighbor and you say, I don't like that about that. That's, that's just, I don't like that. that. That's just messed up. What you have done is now said, you are the standard by which they should measure their life. And the last time I checked, when I read my Bible, there's only one who sits on the judgment seat. And it's not us. It's not the church. It is Jesus. It is Jesus. So when you look at your life, when you look at your relationships, when you look at how you engage other people, do you even notice this spirit? Can you identify this spirit? And do you have the humility to admit it and repent of it? Because all Jesus, when he, bring, when he shows you sin, he shows you sin for one purpose, is to repent of it. The enemy shows it to condemn you. The spirit shows it to convict you into repentance. So every time he reveals you sin, so you can go to the cross and say, Father, forgive me of this sin. And so if you're, if you're busy with a judgmental spirit, you're not going to be busy showing mercy. You can't show mercy to the people you judge. So where's your soul? The hard issue for, for us who have a judgmental spirit is that we are, we are blind and not mindful. And what I mean by that, we don't see our own issues. And that's what Jesus talks about here in verses 3 and 4. He says, why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, 
How can you say to your brother, let me take out your speck, but you don't see the log that is in yours? You know, a speck is smaller than a log. That's what Jesus said. He said, you know, you have this big log in your eye. A big two-by-four in your eye that you don't see. But yet you see your blood brothers. And Jesus said, are you willing to deal with your own stuff? Are you willing to admit your own flaws, your own shortcomings, your own failings? Deal with yours before you go deal with other people. Because here's what happens. When you don't deal with your own issues, you don't be merciful to people in theirs. And please know that. If you don't deal with your issues, admit that you have issues, you will never be merciful to people in theirs. You will always be judgmental because you don't think you have anything to repent of. So having a self-awareness of your own issues and the log in your eye helps you be merciful to other people. Why? Because you realize Jesus has been merciful for you and yours. So you can be merciful to others in their issues. That's why. That is the other way of faith. Notice the law that is in your own eye. One Christian says, what is the spirit that condemns? It is a self-righteous spirit. Self is always at the back of it. It is always at the manifestation of self-righteousness, of feeling of superiority, of feeling that we are all right while others are not. A spirit that is always ready to express itself in a derogatory manner, to despise others, and to regard them with contempt. That is a judgmental spirit. Behind it is self-righteousness. That I have it all together. And other people don't. So the believer who lives in self-righteousness doesn't notice their own flaws. But they always notice the flaws of others. So here's the thing. The thing you condemn people of is the same thing you struggle with, usually. You're able to see it in them because it's in your heart. Please know that. If you, if you can easily spot another person's sin, you probably struggle with the same sin and just don't see it. There's a tendency for all of us to think another person's sin is a little more heinous than our own. I'm a sinner, Pastor Alex, but so-and-so is a really big sinner. Their sin is, my sin is different than theirs. They're a big sinner. So we quickly label people. We label their sin as if, as if, all, if it's not all sin can send you to hell. As if not all sin is just is, is distasteful to the Father. It all is. And, and, and the biggest sin sometimes in the church is what I call the CPW. You know what that stands for? I call it church pew whispers. And many of us have participated in church pew whispers. Look who came to church today. <laughs> I can't believe she's singing up front. I know. I can't believe they decided to come here this morning. The nerve of some people look at her, looking all innocent. If, not, if I were out in the Lord's house, I would tell her about herself. You see, we, we all have done that. And it's gossip. It's slander. And it's not loving. And it does not build up the body of Christ. It gives the enemy 
the foothold he needs to conquer and divide. And so when we have these church pew whispers, there's nothing innocent about it. It does not love people. It tears them down. It belittles them. It does not value them. And so if you, if you have a brother or sister that is, is, is in a, doing something sinful, don't gossip about it. Love them enough and say, brother, we need to talk. Sister, we need to talk. That is the biblical way to deal with it. Not to go over to so-and-so and say, guess what so-and-so been doing? Yeah, they, yeah, I know. Can, can you believe that? That's not love. If I sin against you, come to me. Don't go to anyone else. Come to me. Because if you sin against me, I'm coming to you. And we're going to have a Jesus to Jesus meeting about it. And so you have the freedom. If I offend you, if I say something that hurts you, you have the freedom to come to me and call me out on it. And if you call me out on it, I will ask for forgiveness of it. And you should do the same. Man, I lost my spot. <laughs> That's what happens when you don't stay with your notes. So you can't look down on someone else basically when, you know, you do the same thing. You see, the only way you can throw a judgmental stone is if you don't have anything to be judged for. So all of us can just put down our stones. Because if the Father did not deal in grace with us, guess what? We would be judged and sent to hell. That's our reality. That's our reality. And we seem to have to also realize that that when you look at the kingdom of God, I hope you realize that it's actually a welfare system. Do you know that? You, I hope you realize that. We are, we are dependent upon the kingdom's assistance to be where we are. That's who we are. We are on grace welfare. Because if Jesus didn't give us what he gives us, we can't get into the kingdom. If he didn't take care of us, he gives it to us. So all of us here are on government assistance from God. And if we didn't have that assistance, we would be going to hell. And so if we ever look down on someone else, because they may actually be on assistance, then don't do that. Because realize, you are where you are because you got it. So if Jesus took it away, you would not be here today. That's what I'm talking about. Compassion. If you don't see these things, you can't give it to other people. Know that about yourself. You are where you are because of him, because of what he's done. And when again, when I say when that takes root in your soul, then you can extend these things to other people. But you've got to embrace it for yourself first. And let the spirit work in your soul. Now, the Christian life, you just want to balance. And you hear, I, I think I've said that before. It's important to have a balanced perspective when reading verses like Matthew 17 because you can read just not and think that Jesus does not ever want you to call people out for stuff. Like, he doesn't ever want you to correct people. Like, he doesn't ever want you to hold people accountable. That's not what he's talking about. We are to hold one another accountable, but we are not to be the judger of one another. So there's a difference. There's a balance. So we can hold each other accountable. We do it in the spirit of love. We do it in the spirit of love. Proverbs 27, 7 says, Faithful 
are the wounds of a friend. When your friend, when your spouse comes to you and points out sin in your life, it's going to hurt. But faithful are the wounds of a friend that should come to mind. They're coming to me because they love me. If you don't love me, you wouldn't come to me. You would just gossip about me. That's what we're supposed to do for one another. We hold each other accountable and we do it out of love. I want you to look at the table. The Lord's table. To me, this table is kind of a form of accountability because it it reminds us of our constant need of Jesus. I think I need to be a hobbit right now. (laughs) The table reminds us of our constant need of grace. It reminds us of our rest is in Jesus. The table reminds us that our acceptance is always in Jesus, always in him. That's what the Lord's table reminds us of. The table reminds us that you have a love that will never let you go. Think about that for a moment. You have a love that will never let you go. A love that loves you in your brokenness. A love that loves you when you fail. A love that never uh, leaves you alone. A love that will constantly pursue you to the end. That's what this table reminds you of. It reminds you that you have a mercy that will ever flow in the ocean of your life. His mercy will forever flow in your life. His grace will also. And this table is for those who have faith in Jesus. It's for those who have come and accepted him as their Lord and Savior. That is, that you rest and you depend upon Christ alone for your salvation. Now, friends, neighbors, if you don't have faith in Christ, if you've never made a profession of faith, I'm glad you're here. And if you have questions of what it means to know Jesus, then you need to see me after the service. And we can sit down and we can talk about it. Adults who ask the kids with you abstain for the elements until they have been welcomed to the table by the church that you attend. And again, this is my favorite part of this um, communion is when I get to talk to the kids. Because I want each of you to look at this meal and what we do here. I know many of you uh, have questions about communion and want to know when you can take communion. When Until that happens, please know that this is a picture of what Christ has done for you. That he died for your sins. And it's not a story. It's truth. And it's my prayer as your pastor, I am your pastor, that one day each of you will come to saving faith and you get to partake of this meal with your mom and dad and your parents. That's my prayer. And so I encourage you to watch and observe what we do today. I'd like to call the officers that are going to help up forward. And I'd like for us now to spend the time of silent preparation, asking the Holy Spirit to prepare your hearts for the table.
The Lord Jesus, on the night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. And we have given thanks, he broke it. Gave it to his disciples, saying, take and eat. This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouths of babes and infants, you have established strength. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount all your wonderful deeds. I will be glad and exalt in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. The Lord is a throne, set a throne forever. He has established his throne for justice. And he judges the world with righteousness. And he judges the peoples with uprightness. The Lord is a stronghold for the oppressed. A stronghold in times of trouble. And those who know you put their trust in you. For you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. Christ's body broken for you. Eat of it, all of you. In the same manner, he also took the cup. Having given thanks, he gave it to his disciples, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Drink from it, all of you. love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield, and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and I'm saved from all my enemies. Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I said to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good Apart from you. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. 
He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil. You are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Christ's blood shed for all your sins, past, present, and future. Drink from it, all of you. Let us pray. Holy Spirit, as we move forward today, as we go out to begin one more week, I pray you use this meal to nourish us spiritually, to strengthen us, to endure to strengthen us to live a life of faith in Christ that we embrace in him and that we freely extend to others. So help us to go out in your power spirit. Help us in our struggles. Help us as we deal with those who are sick. Help us, Lord, as we try to speak love to the lives of those who are hurting. And most of all, Lord, continue to remind us of your enduring presence with us. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Please stand as we close our service.